Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage. This is the podcast about some of the 1,208 bills getting a vote this year in the New Hampshire legislature, from cat declawing to embalming requirements. We're here to give you the unbiased facts, pros and cons, and highlight opportunities for you to get involved and make your voice heard. I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count. And I'm Mike Dunbar, Content Editor for Citizens Count. Anna, I feel like that intro is a little inaccurate today because we're not exactly talking about something lesser known or something with an upcoming public hearing. Yeah, we're talking about redistricting, and there's been a lot of headlines. But for listeners who are not aware, every 10 years, officials must redraw voting districts to reflect population changes, according to the U.S. Census. This is called redistricting. Right now, New Hampshire's redistricting process is held up at multiple levels, with the governor and legislature at odds and lawsuits before the state Supreme Court. And this has impacted us directly at Citizens Count because we need to upload new districts into our database to create candidate profiles for everybody to read. Candidates usually start filing paperwork in June, so the clock is ticking to finalize these new voting maps. With everything so up in the air, there are a lot of questions about what will happen next. Will the governor and legislators agree on redistrict maps that meet constitutional muster, or will the courts step in? And if the courts do act, will they keep current maps in place for now, or will they draw completely new maps? Whatever the decision, it will impact greatly who represents you. Depending on who you talk to, some of these redistricting proposals heavily favor one party over another. We could dig into all the current redistricting proposals, but since the courts might throw all of those out the window, I thought it would be interesting to like take a look back at the last three rounds of redistricting in New Hampshire and look for clues about what might happen next. Yeah, I like that. You know, past is prologue, history repeats itself. Yeah, yada, yeah. Yada. Re- redistricting <laughs> happens every 10 years, like I said. So let's start by looking at the 90s. Okay, let's set the stage. It's 1991. The U.S. Census has just wrapped up. The Soviet Union is breaking up. Silence of the Lambs will win Best Picture. The number one hit is Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. (laughs) I had to look that one up. And I do, in fact, recognize that song, although I was pretty little at the time. I was also surprised to find that the redistricting process was not so partisan and contentious back in the 90s. For example, the Committee of Legislators tasked with redrawing U.S. congressional districts included an equal number of Democrats and Republicans, even though Republicans controlled the House, Senate, and Governor's office. Yeah, according to an old article from the Union Leader, there was even a battle in 1991 to restrict the power of the Senate president to remove anyone from the committee for reasons other than incapacity to serve, death, or lack of attendance. The concern was that the Senate president might bully committee members to vote one way or another. The Democratic and Republican co-chairs of the committee even threatened to resign. And it's hard to imagine that sort of bipartisan agreement happening today. And it's created a whole new kind of 90s nostalgia for me. The final 1992 plans to redraw the state Senate, Executive Council, and U.S. House districts were signed into law with minimal controversy, although looking back, some criticized the maps for protecting incumbents from both parties. The plan to redistrict the state House of Representatives did result in a lawsuit. Portsmouth argued that the city's population merited another representative in the state house. In particular, the lawsuit argued that Salem should lose a seat to make the representation more equal between the two municipalities. The court ultimately ruled in favor of the original house redistricting and against Portsmouth. Okay, let's fast forward now to the millennium. The country is still reeling from 9-11. The number one song is How You Remind Me by Nickelback. Questionable. The box office hosts smash hits from Lord of the Rings, 
Harry Potter, and Star Wars. Man, times have changed. Pretty much just Marvel carrying movie theaters these days. Mm-hmm, yep. Well, this round of redistricting was a sharp contrast from the 90s. The process to redraw the U.S. Congressional and State Executive Council districts in 2002 wasn't very controversial, but the process to redraw the state House and Senate was a mess. First, Democratic Governor Jean Shaheen vetoed the legislature's plan to redistrict the state House and Senate. She argued the plans were, quote-unquote, a classic case of partisan gerrymandering at its worst. Republican legislators did not have enough votes to override her veto, and there was no compromise in sight, so redistricting ended up in the courts. The state Supreme Court asked for redistricting proposals from all the interested parties. But then the court rejected every single one and wrote, all of the submitted plans openly embrace political agendas. So the court (laughs) ultimately appointed a technical advisor and just drew its own maps. So basically everybody loses. It's like when Solomon threatened to cut the baby in half, except the baby just got cut in half, or he kept the baby for himself, or (laughs) the metaphor doesn't really work here. Anyway, in 2004, Republicans once again controlled the House, Senate, and Governor's office, and they took that opportunity to redraw the districts created by the court. Democrats filed a lawsuit arguing that it was unconstitutional to redistrict more than once every 10 years after the U.S. Census. Republicans argued that the court's 2002 maps were quote-unquote remedial, not permanent, and the legislature was well within its rights to redistrict again in 2004. The court ultimately sided with the Republicans. But wait, there's more. In 2006, legislators introduced a state constitutional amendment that generally requires each town or ward to have its own dedicated representative, so long as there are enough voters living there. The amendment specifically states, when the population of any town or ward, according to the last federal census, is within a reasonable deviation from the ideal population for one or more representative seats, the town or ward shall have its own district of one or more representative seats. This 2006 amendment was partly motivated by the court's 2002 redistricting, which often grouped towns into larger districts. So the amendment ideally ensures that representatives are attuned to the unique interests of their ward or town, as opposed to larger regional issues. And the amendment sailed through the House and Senate and passed with a supermajority of voters on the 2006 general election ballot. And this new constitutional amendment prompted yet another lawsuit. Dear listeners, I promise we will eventually get to 2010. (laughs) In 2008, the town of Canaan argued that the legislature should redistrict again before the 2010 census to fulfill the requirements of the 2006 constitutional amendment. The court ruled against Canaan and said that the amendment would only apply to the 2010 redistricting process. So now are we up to 2010? Yes. Let's get to the 2010 U.S. census. Once again, we set the stage. In a 10-year follow-up to September 11th, The American military kills Osama bin Laden. Occupy Wall Street starts in Manhattan. Trayvon Martin is killed by George Zimmerman. Everyone is listening to Rolling in the Deep by Adele, of course. The box office is still showing Harry Potter movies. (laughs) That was funny. When I I was looking at this stuff, I was like, man, Harry Potter like dominated pop culture for Mm -hmm. really over 20 years. All right. So after the 2010 U.S. Census, Republicans once again controlled the State House and Senate, while Democrat John Lynch sat in the governor's office. Lynch signed the Republican plans to redistrict the state Senate, state executive council, and U.S. congressional districts, but vetoed the plan to redistrict the state House of Representatives. His decision is arguably summed up in one sentence from his veto message. The House-passed plan unnecessarily breaks up towns and wards. This time, the Republicans had enough votes to override the governor's veto in the legislature, but the battle wasn't over. The city of Manchester and several other parties filed a lawsuit challenging the state House map. 
Manchester argued that the map deprived the city of equal representation since some wards were grouped with neighboring Litchfield in a voting district. This echoed some of Governor Lynch's concerns about unnecessarily splitting up municipalities with common interests. Other plaintiffs in the lawsuit argued that towns such as Guilford and Meredith should have been given their own unique representatives rather than combined into larger districts. This argument was based on the new 2006 constitutional amendment. The state Supreme Court ultimately ruled in favor of the original Republican redistricting for the state House of Representatives. Their general argument was that the legislature did not make any unreasonable decisions when they drew new districts. It's impossible to create districts that are exactly equal in population, obviously, so there are always going to be trade-offs between towns, cities, and wards. The court also noted that there is no constitutional requirement to combine communities of interest into the same district which is kind of an interesting detail because a lot of people generally feel that when we draw voting districts, we should try to keep similar regions together, like towns that share a school district maybe, or don't group a rural town with a city. But the court said, nope, that's not a legal requirement. Hmm. Okay, well, now we're at the present. I had to look up the top song on the Billboard 100 as of today. I'm ashamed to admit I've never heard of it. Wait for You by Future. Maybe this is like a TikTok thing that I wouldn't be aware of. I looked on YouTube. I also don't know (laughs) it. So either we are not at all cool anymore Mm -hmm. or we are so cool we only listen to obscure indie hits. I think that's what it is for sure. Back to redistricting though. This year, Governor Sununu signed redistricted maps for the state house, state senate, and executive council, but there are lawsuits challenging all three. The lawsuit challenging the state house map comes from Dover. The city argues that Ward 4 has been denied the unique representation it deserves by combining it in a district with Madbury, Lee, and Durham. Based on the court ruling from 2012, Dover may be facing an uphill battle in the courts making this argument. The lawsuit against the state Senate and Executive Council maps bring new arguments to the table. That lawsuit asserts that the maps are drawn to favor Republicans so heavily that it violates voters' rights of free speech and equal protection under the New Hampshire Constitution. If the court agrees with this argument, we will return to the scenario in 2002 when the court invited proposals and worked with a technical advisor to take over redistricting. The lawsuit over the U.S. congressional redistricting is even more like 2002, with the governor and legislators unable to agree on a plan. If Governor Sununu and the legislators do not approve a U.S. congressional map by the end of May, there's a good chance the court will have to draw a map for them. Right now, candidates are scheduled to file paperwork starting June 1st. That filing date can be pushed a little later, but ultimately ballots need to be printed by July 30th in time to be sent to voters overseas. Also, personal note, we're going to be scrambling at Citizens Count to get the districts updated in our database and candidates uploaded and put our surveys in the mail, so I am rooting for a fast resolution here. (laughs) Well, we made it. That was quite a history lesson. And we didn't even talk about the 80s when there was a redistricting lawsuit about quote-unquote flotarial districts. Oh, and we would have had so many good uh, musical references, songs I might actually know. (laughs) But let's spare our listeners that and me. How about something a little lighter? It's time for our trivia segment, Only in New Hampshire. What do you got, Anna? This isn't exactly lighthearted, but it's definitely interesting. And I came across this story when I was reading newspaper coverage of redistricting in the 1990s. From 1949 until 1992, New Hampshire had a law on the books that required teachers to sign a loyalty oath And the union leader provides some quotes from the Senate floor the day they voted to repeal this oath. I was astonished to find out we have this 1949 requirement, said Senator Gordon Humphrey, a Republican from Chichester. No town officials are required to take the oath. I don't recall one communist teacher or communist cell in New Hampshire. This is 1992, and this should be wiped off the books. 
The bill to repeal the oath sailed through the House and Senate and was signed by Governor Judd Gregg. Just three senators voted against repealing the oath. Interesting to note, however, that New Hampshire did not repeal an adjacent part of the law that says, no teacher shall advocate communism as a political doctrine or any other doctrine which includes the overthrow by force of the government of the United States or of this state in any public or state-approved school in any state institution. That was also passed in 1949. So to be clear, you can't teach violent overthrow of the government, but you don't have to sign an oath about it. Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like if there was ever a political climate for the oath to come back to uh, New Hampshire schools, it might be now. Oh, let me tell you. I mean, there we could do an episode about there was a bill this year about what teachers can and can't teach, and it was looking to revive parts of this law. But I, I just think it's interesting that you think about, you know, we talked about the early 90s that the Soviet Union was breaking up and... McCarthyism was in the rearview mirror. And so, yeah, they, it was bipartisan agreement. Let's get rid of this oath. And the, but yeah, we're seeing it. These debates creep back up today. Past his prologue, past his prologue, just like we were saying. All right. Well, that wraps it up for today's episode. But you can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd like to thank Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Granite State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music is composed by me, Mike Dunbar. And lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part of what makes New Hampshire by the people for the people. <laughs>